Let's revisit our top story. Uh, today, Premier David Eby uh, announced uh, that uh, there'll be a new pilot program that will provide 3,000 homeowners with for- forgivable loans of up to $40,000 to help cover the cost of creating rental suites. The program is set to launch in April of 2024. And of course, this will come after uh, the fall legislative session uh, where it is expected a new legislation will pass making secondary suites legal every everywhere uh, in the province. As you know, we were speaking to Minister Nathan Cullen at 3 o'clock on this issue, Uh, but there's sometimes uh, a difference between what the provincial government will announce and, of course, the reality at the local level, at the municipal level, because every community is going to have a different perspective in regards to uh, secondary suites, whether you're living in Delta or Prince George or Vancouver or Fort St. John. Joining me now to talk a little bit about legalizing secondary suites is Dylan Kruger. He is a councillor in the city of Delta. Dylan, welcome. Jazz, thanks for having me. Uh, I want to bring you on board because um, the city of Delta has, um, uh, has a program to legalize secondary suites. Walk me through a little bit about how you got to that transition, the conversation uh, in its early stages and where you were able to get this program up and running. We first uh, legalized secondary suites in 2010. And at the time, it was a very big community conversation, very different than the conversation today. Now it's almost a given because we've had 13 years of this program. But at the time, what we were finding with our bylaw officers is we had thousands of uh, recognized uh, illegal suites popping up across the, our community. And when you have illegal suites, uh, you know that people are going to do this anyway. We had situations that were unsafe. They were not meeting BC building code. We had fire risks. We had people that had converted really glorified crawl spaces into secondary suites. Mm-hmm. And yet there are people, there's always going to be people, especially today in such precarious housing situations that, that they're going to get taken advantage of. They're going to take the uh, the 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 opportunity to stay in the suite possibly at a at a better rate, mm-hmm. and we felt it at the time thirteen years ago it was very important to ensure okay let's legalize them let's get it on the record let's at least ensure that these places are up uh, to building code standard. Uh, so we had a number of years where we offered a suite light program where we were advertising to people hey if you've got a space that may or may not be up to code, but you've been advertising it as a suite. Let's get it into compliance. Come and uh, you can meet our, our minimum, you know, forget about everything else. Let's get it up to code. That way, at least, uh, you know, we recognize it. It's on our radar and we can monitor it and ensure safety. So it's been great uptake and and, and we've uh, pretty much uh, uh, legalized every uh, suite that we had on our record at the time. So it's been a great success. Hmm. Certainly today, we need the suites. I don't know any young family that's buying a single family home that doesn't need the suite as a mortgage helper. Plus, the suites themselves have been desperately needed rental stock for people uh, across the housing spectrum that are looking for housing. So when you say uh, meeting the building code, so it's mostly electrical, uh, fire issues, that sort of thing? Yeah, electrical, fire suppression, sound separation, uh, to the extent that can be mitigated. Uh, and, and they have been updated over time. So even uh, new houses that are being built today, the standards are very different than even 10, 13 years ago when we started this program. But the philosophy at the time was, uh, let's get you to that minimum standard because, uh, fr- frankly, it's in any city with over 100,000 people, it's it's the the lower the more accessible you make it to people mm-hmm. to say we're not going to penalize you we actually want to encourage you to come forward to legalize your property mm-hmm. it's better for that end user it's a safer product and and we're looking for safe accommodations for people in our city so uh, what's the cost to legalize your suite I know every uh, uh, homeowner is going to have a, a different charge I'm just thinking back to the Three o'clock hour, I had one woman call me from Burnaby, and, and the situation there may be different, I don't know, but her name was Aurora. She said that she spent $194,000 
on legalizing the sweet? I mean, if that's the cost, most people aren't going to legalize their sweets. H- how is yours different in regards to yeah, a sense of what the cost is for most homeowners? It's, it's so uh, dependent on the age of the home, uh, the standard that the home was built to at the time. Again, if you're talking about a home that was built 10, 15 years ago, very different than a house that was built in the 1960s or 1970s. So there's quite a range of, I've heard as little as a couple thousand dollars up up to the number that your caller mentioned. But certainly, what a great opportunity with this provincial program where it makes sense for the right people who are thinking about, oh, should I do it? But gosh, that upfront cost of 30, 40 grand, if the province can come in with, with a loan to help to get people to legalize those suites and get them onto the market, I see that as a really positive thing. Mm-hmm. Um do you think in this province there's going to be pushback, though? And what I mean by that is a lot of single-family neighborhoods, uh, very quiet. They buy those homes uh, for that very reason. They've been there for sometimes decades, right? This is the culture, the feel of a, of, of a community. And then all of a sudden, you open it up to suites. And let's say you get 10 suites in, in down one street. You've added more people, and uh, you've added more garbage pickup. And probably to, for most people in their daily lives, you've added more vehicles on the street. Sometimes it's difficult to find parking. In some areas, brand new areas where they do have suites for every home, uh, it's very difficult. because like probably New York City when you're looking for a parking spot. Um, do you expect pushback from the public? Now, maybe not in Delta, uh, but do you think you're going to get pushback in other communities in British Columbia on this one? Absolutely. I think any time changes to quote-unquote, neighborhood character are introduced, you're going to receive pushback from people who have lived in a certain area and developed certain expectations of what daily life is, in some cases for decades, and all of a sudden, government's coming in and saying, no, we're going to change the fundamental face of, of, of your neighborhood. Now, this is part of a larger, much larger conversation on the nature of housing. We know we've been told by senior government, both in BC and across Canada, that municipalities need to do more that we have not been approving the required number of housing units to meet today's demand, let alone the demand that we know is going to be coming in the future. So we know we have to do a better job of densifying existing neighborhoods, but th- that is the problem with infill. So the policy that we put in place in Delta, which I think is a fair, reasonable compromise, is you have to have the parking on site. So hmm. any single family home, we, re- we require two parking spots for the principal residence and one parking spot for the suite. So yes, there are situations where we have spillover parking onto the streets, but that's not necessarily the fault of the street. I uh, of the suite. I know uh, single-family homes with no suites that have, uh, you know, six, seven, eight family members living there, four, five, six cars. Like the suite's not necessarily the problem when it comes to the parking. Mm-hmm. But we should ensure that by all reasonable standards, we're requiring that parking. My concern with potential provincial changes is, is that overriding existing municipal rules? Okay. Now, do you see some municipalities actually saying, you know what, we're going to, we don't believe what this government's doing. I don't buy it. And our community's not going to support it because, hey, David Eby can say what he wants, but I'm the one who's got to listen to uh, Bob down the street uh, who runs into me at the grocery store as mayor, as councillor. I got to have him uh, yelling at me while I'm out buying groceries. Can you see some uh, council saying, wait a minute here, that business license for the year, which is 50 bucks, we're going to charge you 500. Uh, and the garbage pickup, which we double because you've got a secondary suite, we're going to actually quadruple it. We're going to pay more. Do you see some communities potentially being um, uh, making it tougher for those secondary suites to, to, uh, to actually open? If they retain the ability to do so, absolutely. 
And that's why I'm so interested in seeing how the legislation will be worded this fall on this and a number of other changes that we know are coming forward, including allowing up to a fourplex on every single family home in BC. Does it supersede existing municipal rules or is it simply allowable on paper and easy enough for municipalities to skirt? But we are, they say municipalities are the level that's closest to the people. Mm -hmm. We are geographically closest. Our city halls are closest to people's homes. It's much easier to go to your local city hall than to take the ferry down to Victoria. We hear it. We hear it in the grocery store. We hear it on the street sometimes more than our provincial counterparts. So it is certainly difficult to sometimes take the heat for decisions that are being very much imposed on us by senior levels of government. Do you see this as a broader uh, uh, debate uh, fight against traditional single-family homes? I mean, this broader conversation, like is the era of the single-family home done now in Metro Vancouver in your mind? Because we keep talking about secondary homes. uh, I had the mayor on last week. We were talking about uh, reducing the size of the average single-family home to allow more space for uh, laneway homes. In a big lot in Vancouver, you can now build up to eight units, smaller lots, four units. Um, We're talking about everything but worrying about the single-family home. Is that done now in Metro Vancouver in regards to planning and the broader discourse? I would say broader than that, in the North American context, the single-family home was the product of the post-World War baby boom reality. Uh, the, the the dream of the, the big house with the white picket fence and the big backyard, that was a post-war shift in society that I think we are moving away from because, frankly, I am not aware of many people today in their 20s, 30s, and 40s with dual incomes, good six, even six-figure incomes, who could even reasonably dream of purchasing a single-family home to live in Metro Vancouver, the most one of the most desirable places on earth to live. And that is going to come with a cost. We're going to continue to see more densification. We are required. Delta is one of 10 municipalities in BC on the Naughty list. So-called naughty list <laughs> will be required to meet certain standards. And we've seen in other jurisdictions, Ontario is a little bit ahead of us with this. Municipalities that don't meet that standard will have that standard imposed on them by, by, uh, by provincial order. So certainly I, I think it's fair comment that for the upcoming, for the, for, for the gen, as baby boomers continue to retire and millennials become the dominant force in the workforce, the dominant GDP creator, uh, are the ones that are actively having families. We're not going to see those living in cities, living in single-family homes. Um, do you think this legislation, the way it's worded, do you want it to go further, or are you just happy with the, right now where you think it's headed, or do you think it's, it's enough? On on secondary suites, I mean, we've, we've had them for 13 years in, in Delta, so I can gripe on some minor points, but, I mean, it's it's a given for us. I think certainly if you're – there should be no excuse for cities. Like, if you're within – an hour of downtown Vancouver and you're not allowing secondary suites, we've got bigger issues there. I'm much more interested in uh, what we know is going to be coming uh, from the Ministry of Housing later this fall on, as I mentioned, uh, requirements for up to a fourplex for every single family uh, lot uh, in BC. I'm questioning how that's going to work uh, and also ensuring how these targets are actually going to be managed and met. Uh, this is the direction. Like, we're not we're not outliers here. Uh, Ontario has done this. Uh, California has done this. New Zealand has done this. Major metropolitan areas are realizing that, to a certain extent, the buck does start stop with municipalities. We have not been approving enough housing, in a certain sense. That is because we are a product of these procedures that have been put in place that that benefit existing landowners. But we're finally seeing the repercussions of that, and it's hurting uh, those that are underhoused and those that are unhoused. And we need to make changes. Dylan Kruger, thanks for your time today. Jazz, thank you for having me.